Welcome to our Nurture Natter podcast, voicing the things that matter to your community. Hi, I'm Charlotte, mum to two, founder of Nurture. I'm passionate about creating real connection and the art of bringing people together from all walks of life. I do this alongside my co-founders, Clara Wilcox and Ben Birchall. Hi, I'm Clara, a mum of two, career coach by day and a chocolate obsessed bookworm by night. Hi, I'm Ben. I've lost count of how many children I have and businesses I'm involved in, but family and community mean everything to me. Nurture Community CIC engages the community in person and online through events to reduce isolation and increase community spirit. The bi-weekly podcast Nurture Natter is hosted by the Nurture Community, a collective of souls who run a mission to help families get that wonderful balance of health, wealth and happiness, bringing communities together to inspire and support each other. Carry on the conversation with us online through our Facebook group, Nurture Natter, or use the hashtag NNPodcast on Instagram and Twitter to find us, at Nurture Ideas. Today we'll be continuing to explore how we can strike the right balance of health, wealth and happiness in pursuit of a fun and fulfilled life. We'll be focusing on happiness, what it means to us, and the role it plays in a balanced life. Well, I believe that happiness has darkness <laughs> or shade light. Yeah. I'm going to be in the middle. Ben can be the, the light. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Clara, you're the darkness. Yeah, I'm, I'm like the emo teenager. <laughs> so oh. I think this will work really well. It so will. Ben, don't let us down. You're the positive one, all right? <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> Hi, it's Clara. Happiness, what it means to me, it is an inside job. Hi, it's Ben. Happiness to me is doing things that put a smile on my face and on the face of others. Hi, I'm Charlotte and happiness to me are moments in time. It's it's interesting how we all have very different sort of definitions of happiness. And I think that refers back to your early comment, Charlotte, (laughs) on the shade and the dark and light that we all have in our personalities. No, it's interesting because every time we go through, because we've obviously done health, wealth, and now we're on happiness, I always have a conversation with different people about, okay, what is happiness and what does it mean to you? And I find it really interesting to understand from different people what it means to them. It helps me identify what it means to me because it's not something you really ask yourself. Like, obviously, everybody's searching for happiness in a way. But for me, I think it is, it's very much, moments that that happen um and i really am grateful for them but they might be quite unexpected moments as well so it's not something you can necessarily what's the word self-make in a way i think Mm. happiness comes from unexpected places just buying things doesn't bring me happiness or even going on like a really luxurious holiday wouldn't buy me happiness it's more about a way in which you live and the moments that you take from situations yeah i think it's a great point i think taking something like a holiday is a great example so yeah i once did a presentation when i was on the sort of networking scene i did a presentation on the pursuit of happiness and i broke it down and talked about three aspects so you've got past happiness so memories that make you happy you've got future happiness and that's that holiday thing so actually what you can find is you can book a holiday yeah and you can be happy for the month that precedes the holiday and then have a really bad holiday yeah 
but actually you've We've bought yourself there. happiness because you've got this <laughs> expectation that you're going to be happy because you're going away. Um, and then you've got happiness of the present. And, you know, for me, what this all comes around to is um, making the most of every moment. So you talk about moments. It's, yes. it's happiness in the moment. And some of those moments will be spontaneous. Some of those moments will be planned. But happiness happens right here, right now. And even if we experience happening happiness about the past or happiness about the future it's happening right now um so that's you know that's my takeaway from this always is uh, is being more conscious which enables me to understand when i'm happy and when i'm experiencing happiness because i think it's so easy for us to wash over us and we might look back and go well, that was a nice day but i didn't really appreciate it as much as i should have uh, at the time i think that's something that i've come to as i've got older because i think when when you're younger again there is always the element of when I get when I do this when I get that you know when when I have this and that will be happy but as I've got older you know like you both say is very much in the moment and I think sort of that gratitude in the moment and that simplicity simplicity and I'm always I'm almost at my most happy when I forget anything else is going on so there isn't actually any indication of what's going to happen tomorrow and you know sort of from a psychological perspective like this whole idea of flow like when when I'm in that moment and actually I've got no concept of time I've got no concept of of what I need to do next apart from what is happening that's when I'm really really happy because you're not dealing with all the other grown-up stuff that you're trying to sort out it's just that and it is it is usually the simple things it's the it's a conversation or it's a joke or it's a look um and for me I know I'm happy when I'm content when there is no no wish to be anywhere else with anyone else doing anything else like that to me is ultimate happiness and that doesn't that varies day to day and it varies the time of the day and you can yeah. be happy you can have some really horrible things going on in the world but still be exceptionally happy in that moment and that's that's what's important to me and when I've been thinking about this you've just reminded me of something I was thinking about happiness and how it's different at different parts in your life or different mm. chapters so like you were saying like what would make me happy as a 10 year old child would be very different to an 18 year old you know to be very different to me now mm-hmm. in 30 something and and it, it changes as well so that's quite interesting but I think fundamental things don't change to what lifts you up as well so it's going back to okay what do you enjoy doing and that tends to be a good route to feeling those moments of happiness or but it is interesting how different chapters there's different things that would make you happy because you can't predict what's going to make you happy really in like years to come because you don't know where you're going to be you can't you can't plan too far ahead for it can you You don't know what's going to happen in your life along the way so you know so many things throw throw that up in the air i think the, the thing when i was looking at this um it brought me back to you know why at nurture um, we've got these three pillars of, of health, wealth and happiness and why is happiness in there and, and why are they all in there but happiness is in there for me it's one of the key things that brings out this um, the matter of balance mm-hmm. so what we're trying to do for ourselves um, as having nurture as part of our lives and what we're trying to help other people inspire other people to do is create a balance in their life um, and I think you know we talked about the conveyor belt or the trade mill um, quite a few times on our podcasts and and this for me this is why happiness sits in in there as part of nurture because it's like you can be on the on the treadmill uh, and you can be and you can be living your life in a way that is pursuing future happiness um i'm working my butt off i'm working these hours um i'm 
I've got a little bit of time for my family. I've got young children in my life, I've, but I've still got to work hard. I've got to bring the money in because at some point we're going to be happy. <laughs> you know, 20 years down the line, we're going to be happy uh, and we'll be able to retire and we'll be able to do these things in, in 20 years time, in 10 years. I'm going to retire when I'm 55. Well, that's 15 years away. And by the way, I might not be here. So for me, this is about happiness um, being a part of everyday life um, and not about something that we aspire to achieve in the future. You can do both but don't ever sacrifice happiness today for happiness tomorrow. And I think this is different with generations because I can only speak on behalf of like my parents, for example, or generations before that as well. So my grandparents, but it was very much the idea that, you know, you work really hard and you work for that retirement and then after retirement, you'll have all this time and you'll be happy because the time will be yours. And before starting Nurture, if you like, I had a bit of a, a moment where I thought this, I, I don't feel that happy. I, I was on my honeymoon at the moment in Australia um, when that moment happened. And I just thought, what's going to be on my gravestone? It's not going to be where I worked, which sounds really morbid. But at the time, I didn't actually have anything. Like I didn't feel like I had anything tangible. And I didn't feel like I was meant to be happy because I was working for large organizations and I was doing a job I really enjoyed, but I realized that I didn't actually see my husband. I didn't have any connections locally. I didn't feel like I had a great relationship with my friends because I felt it was distant because we were all working. So that's when I kind of like had that moment of, well, what will make me happy? And I think the only thing you can do in moments like that is almost like take control over your own life because I feel like in life, it's almost like a bit of a conveyor belt. So you're expected to do certain things or you're expected to um, want certain things. And I think for me, I don't think that is the case for everybody. I think everybody's happiness is different. You can't tell somebody how to feel happy. They have to experience it and find it themselves. Mm. I think sometimes as well, we can get to where we think we want to be, you know, and I, I noticed this in my career. I had sort of, again, come from that generation where you can have it all. You get your degree, you get a good job, you get married, you have a house because having a house and a mortgage is a measure of success. Yeah. You do all these things. And I was progressing up a particular career path that I thought I wanted. And then when I got there, I wasn't happy. I was, all, I was happier doing things technically in a grade below. But then I was criticised at work because that that was my my staff's responsibility, and I I need to aspire to progress and to get higher. And I think all of us get to certain points in our lives when we realise that we're living by other people's expectations, and that's when you're not happy because what you want it, it isn't it isn't feeling fulfilling. And actually, I've noticed over the last probably ten years. Um, what actually I need, what I would fight tooth and nail for in my life is very, very simple and very simplified. And actually, we, you know, we're in a capitalist society. We're in this world that tells us stuff. Stuff is a, a reward for hard work. And if you work hard, you get everything you want. And, and quite often, actually, when things happen that strip that all back, you realise there's, there's very little that makes you happy. And, and happiness is people and happiness is fun like we you know as part of our thing happiness is giving back and and in a weird way what what we're all living through at the moment where what we can do and how we live our life is restricted I'm still feeling very very happy <laughs> and actually it's sort of it's, it's a, I, I do an exercise with a lot of my clients which is like this rocking chair idea where you're sitting at the end of your days and looking back on your legacy 
and most people want to be remembered for behaving in a particular way and influencing people and impacting people and being kind and all these types of things yet we don't necessarily look at those points and look at those behaviors as fulfilling for ourselves so it's i think the earlier that we can make this transition in our life to realize what really notice what makes us happy and like you've talked about it Ben, like being in the moment and noticing these things means we can be in a lot more control and actually creating those those connections and those those experiences in our life a little bit more and it just because it then floods all the chemicals that make you feel good it reinforces the fact that you want that and it's just being more conscious I think in that process sorry it's like there's my TED talk but yeah (laughs) (laughs) no it's it's so true and I, I call it living life on purpose or living life with purpose and I think so many people get caught up in in a rut of doing things because it's what they do um and not doing things because it's what they choose to do um that 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 happiness can can be lost and there'll be moments still of happiness and there'll be perceived happiness but is it what you really want and it's so hard for for many of us to kind of go you know um or be in a mindset that they wake up every morning and say what do i want today to be like mm. um what experiences do i want do i want to have how do i cho- want to choose to spend my time um and how can i ensure that the majority of those interactions that i have bring me joy and happiness um but but living life on purpose um and i think what it brings me back around to is why we make decisions um so what you were talking about earlier clara was living in a capitalist society living in a materialistic society to, to a certain degree that we're all influenced by um influences our choices so if you take for example buying a house how many people choose to buy a house and what it looks like on the outside um, and the impression it gives to other people um, who would drive past the house subconsciously or consciously people are making these decisions and I've sat down with so many people over the last 10 years or so who are looking at moving house and I'm kind of going what's important to you uh, and they talk about these materialistic things about the house and like how do you want this house to serve your lifestyle who do you want to be close to what do you want to be able to access what do you want to do when you're not at work at some point or you know when when you're at the weekends let's say that's natural for most people to have time off work at the weekends what do you want to do and are those things available and easy for you to access from that place so many people don't start with that list so many people start with the list oh i want this many bedrooms or this space i want to be able to have an island in my kitchen i want to be mm. and it's like god strip it back how do you want to live your life and then build the rest around it add the material things afterwards mm. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I find with happiness as well, sometimes I don't know if this, I think this is probably um, bespoke to me in a sense, but I've almost feel guilty for feeling overly happy as well because of the way in which I've been brought up. My sister, for those who don't know, has additional needs and there's only two years between us. So I've technically been able to live my life the way I've chosen to, but she doesn't have that opportunity. So rightly or wrongly I've I've made sure that I've made decisions based not just on what I think I would want but also what I believe is is right in her eyes as well which is a bit mad but that's where I, I live in my head if you like so I kind of have this idea that I am really happy but I almost feel like I'm so lucky to be able to feel this happiness and it's it's above and beyond what I ever expected I never expected this and that finds some people find that quite difficult to understand 
and it's not even from a sad place it's like I had a conversation with my mum the other day she was like you know you know you always dream about getting married and having children and having a house and I was like I never did dream like that I never thought I'd get married I didn't think I'd have kids I just met Mark and it felt right I didn't ever dream of having a house in a certain way or a style like my dreams were more about probably career driven because it was something that was in my control and about traveling so they were kind of my ambitions so I think that's really interesting as well I think you know feeling happy is what everybody strives for but for me I'm most happiest when I feel like I'm able to give back as well because I feel like I'm coming from such a place of privilege that I'm able to have an option and energy to give back Mm -hmm. so for me giving back is fundamental to my happiness Mm -hmm. as much as being active is and I think that you know there there is there is so much of that I always remember this whole idea of, of nothing's truly altruistic so like this whole idea of doing something for someone else is wonderful and it does feel wonderful, but it's because it actually releases the feel good hormones. So, but I think there is, you know, whenever anyone thinks back on, you know, when they've had a good day, I'd put money on having those moments, you know, even if it's something as simple as, you know, I held the door open for a stranger and I smiled at someone in the street. Yeah, and definitely. I managed to help somebody with, you know, overcome something because we're social animals. And I think, in a weird way, because of the way we're socialised and because of the way we're educated and because of the way that we're sort of driven and supported through our careers, where it's about, you know, you've got to look after yourself and you've got to put yourself mm. forward and, you know, all these types of things. We're forgetting that that's what keeps us connected and healthy and happy yeah. is that ability to connect. But also we're primed to do that. Like we wouldn't, we wouldn't get the we wouldn't get the serotonin rush we do when we help someone if it actually didn't, if we weren't primed to make that happen as an individual. So I think it's, it's almost having the ability to remember we are designed to be helpful people. Yeah. And actually not feeling bad about that and actually fitting that into our lives rather than not understanding why that actually feels good. And, but you, it's interesting about this whole, sort of this whole idea of guilt and, um, me and Charlotte quite often have talked about Brené Brown's <laughs> podcast, which if you yeah. don't listen to this one, you've got to listen to, to Brené Brown. And there was there was a stuff in there from um, a philosopher called Alain. Alain. We'll put it in the notes. And he was saying about how this whole idea that, that empathy is not is not finite. That um, you know there is an element of society. We feel like we have to prioritize ourselves <clears throat> against other people, either as I feel happy, but I shouldn't because of X, Y, and Z, or I feel really bad and I shouldn't because of X, Y, and Z. But actually, you know, what brings us together is this whole idea of an understanding and empathy, which works in our favor to helping people, but also engaging with people. Um, And it's just interesting what you say about this level of feeling guilty for happiness, because again, there's this element of, well, your life's good, but somebody else isn't. So, you know, and actually, to help our own happiness, we need to be okay with the fact that we can be happy mm. when other people aren't. And it's not a comparison. It's actually a self-preserva- self-preservation and a drive to keep ourselves well to help other people when they need it. Yeah, I've, I've found I've, um, I've been able to get my head around that more over time, but it's been mm. something that I've um, had to understand and 
almost like entangle because I mm. couldn't work out where those feelings came from and why. So I think um, that's like a really big thing, isn't it? It's like working out how how you work, what makes you tick, what makes you happy, what do you value? And it's interesting, one of the things you just said was about making time to give back. And what I found that was difficult with that when I was working, say in the corporate world, is that there was no time given. I didn't have any time in my day that I felt I could give back and I could give back to say my colleagues, but I wasn't able to give back to those that probably most needed it. And that's probably the bit that I found most challenging and why I decided to make the moves I did in my career. So I worked say in the baby industry thinking that I'd be more caring, slightly more caring. <laughs> um, but it's, um, that it is interesting because I think you have to work out what those, what those things are, that give you that lift and allow you to live a happy and fulfilled life which is obviously what we're all about about that balance and balance is really difficult isn't it really difficult I, I tend to look at balance I've used it before like a bicycle so a lot of people think as balance is this whole idea that you have you know work and then the rest of the life equally and it's not it's more like a bicycle in that you've got to keep adjusting and riding and and, you know, like we've, we've alluded to at the beginning, what, what made you happy as a child compared to what made you happy as a teenager to a young adult and going forward. And it's OK for those things to change. You know, it, it, it's OK to aspire for things. It's OK to, you know, to want materialistic things because they make you happy. So, you know, a perfect idea is um, holidays like mm. I'd love the idea to, to travel a little bit more, but because of the experience that it would give me. So quite often we talk about, I think we talked about in the wealth about money. Um, and I think it's just as relevant for, for happiness as well is that, that money is important because it allows you to give back. It allows you to create opportunities that give you experience and knowledge and challenge and motivation and things. Um, it's when your values don't align with other people or other situations, that's where it can get, get really difficult but having the ability to be able to see the worth in something you know I'd love to go on holiday but for me it's not about having a big posh you know accommodation it's about sitting on a beach and listening to the water it's about learning something new and I find for me I'm I'm bizarrely most happy when I'm learning when I'm challenged Mm. when I'm yeah you know having something I can experience I think you know picking up on that and and understanding what what makes you happy is really important i think then checking in with yourself so we talked about consciousness and some people need to be a bit more focused on that consciousness so maybe you need to check in with themselves every few months or every week or whatever so what's making me happy right now where am i but when you've got significant others in your life as well checking in with each other um so if we put that on, on you know onto my sort of past and look at Debs and I when we sort of married at 24 uh, if I look back on that time now we checked in regularly and not knowingly you'd go out for dinner you'd be talking about what made you happy what you wanted to do next you'd be making the plans you'd be talking about how you want just in the moment and in the, in the day and in the week and in the years to come um, now I find myself in a situation where, where life is very full we've got four children a dog ourselves lots of other things going on lots of business interests and it's so rare that Debs and I get a chance to check in um, because on a week 
by week, day by day basis is just, you just haven't got the headspace to do it. Um, we quite consciously take time out where we just go away uh, on our own and we'll try and have meals out and things like that. But we try and get a couple of days clear on our own every year, a couple of nights away where we can just have that time and really just check in where are we at, where are our future plans going, what do we want to be doing. Um, we can see what's on the horizon. We can see when the kids are going to be in school all day. And things like that what do we want to do then how do we want to spend our time but checking in with ourselves checking in with our significant others and as the kids are getting older checking in with them and understanding what yeah. their aspirations are and what makes them happy so it is you know we said earlier it's about living in the moment but for me that there, there is an element of planning as well mm-hmm. an element of not necessarily planning a specific event but how do we want to live our life? What things do we want to build into our day-to-day lives? What things do we want to take out? So quite a conscious decision Debs and I made for sort of family happiness up until the kids were about 10, Finn was about 10, so about three years ago, was that we did no weekend clubs. Everything for us had to be after-school clubs because Saturday and Sunday were for us as a family, for friends and for, for extended family that weren't going to be tied down to. We've got to be here at this time until that time. Uh, and as much as sports was just fun for a couple of us in the family for for example it wasn't fun for all of us in the family um so we made very conscious decisions about how we spent our time and where we fit those things in um and i think checking in making plans but but making sure that you know opportunities that come along aren't just leapt on at the expense of everybody else's happiness i think it's interesting because all uh us three are obviously um, aware of this. This is why we we founded Nurture, if you like, because these are things that we we value, health, wealth and happiness, and we're aware that it's a balance and it's difficult, and this is the idea of why Nurture was created for that exact reason. Whereas I'm very aware that actually there's a lot of people that don't have that ability to see things from that perspective as well so for example I was speaking to Mark and I was like so where do you want to be in five years and he's like I just can't think that far ahead like that's where you come in (laughs) and I'm like no but I'm not your vision for five years but it's also about I see my role um, uh, you know as being his wife as like allowing him to explore what does that mean to him trying different things and me encouraging him to do those things but it is really important to kind of to explore your options and to allow yourself to do that because I feel like when you're working and you've got so many time pressures there's not a lot of time to explore your options you know, you, you have to be there at that time. You do this then. Whereas us three are in this situation because we took control of it, where we're in control of what our diary looks like within that week. But what I say to Mark is, yeah, okay, you might work for somebody else, but you're still in control of what that looks like. So you can actually push back and say, you know, I'm, I want, is it okay if I did work from home one day a week or I'd like to compress my hours? And these are decisions we've made over a number of years um, because of happiness and our almost pursuit of it, where we realised actually Mark working where he does, which is like solely whole, five days a week, isn't worth losing our happiness he he needed some time for him so he does like four compressed days now 
and then he has a day off whereas before he used to have a day working from home but we realized actually by checking in that wasn't working working from home was actually more stressful <laughs> than going into yeah. the office so it is about that as well because we're quite I want to say privilege in the fact that we can actually have that perspective whereas a lot of people don't have that ability to explore because it's too much it's so hard like it's too much hard work isn't it yeah I think a lot of it's also linked to you know a genuine link to what they can control and what they can't control so you know similarly you know I work for myself Scott works for an organization and there's a there's a different relationship with the choices that you have but it's about identifying what you can control. So, and testing the waters and having gentle, low risk conversations and, you know, what's going on in the world at the moment, I think it's going to lead to a lot of honest conversations about flexible working and things because it's been proved it can happen. But quite often what will happen, especially when it comes to happiness and people are in any any type of stressful situation is that we'll put our energies into stuff that actually we can't do anything about Mm, and that that becomes the thing that that we're battling against um and the language we use can you know have a massive play on that you know in terms of you know what what you want happy to look like if you're using language for stuff that is totally out of your control or not possible then it can actually feel the you know very demotivational so I, i always think about um denise Oh, Denise Duffel Thompson's book Get Rich Lucky Bitch and she talks about um how her and her husband you know for years and years and years we're talking about we want to we want to own a house on the beach so all of the plans that we're making was how much do we need to earn to get a mortgage to have a house on the beach how much deposit do we need to get a house on the beach and when they change it to we want to live in the house on the beach they realize that they could rent one and then all of a sudden I think it was in a matter of weeks that they manage to find one. And I think quite often, you know, this, you know, this is the coaching me talking, but you know, in a lot of what we do, the language that we use, we actually self-sabotage our ability to be happy because we're actually trying, we're we're aiming for something that isn't possible within the control that we have or where, um, you know, we're we're talking about it in a way that's not achievable. So part of that checking in process is not, not just does this still matter to me, but am I actually trying to do something that's impossible because yeah. it's because the change scares me or it's I don't want to have the conversation about flexible working you know so so I say it can't happen rather than changing the language and, and that's where I see um, such value in being creative and not just like drawing a picture or painting something I mean in terms of the way in which you think and the way things can be achieved and I take that for granted because that is something I do naturally and I enjoy doing but like you almost work with others to make things feel more possible by being more creative with found remarkable stuff but it's it's interesting because I think if you think about things more creatively and like you said oh we can rent a house by the beach actually things seem a lot more achievable and rather than working to something you, you can't reach you're actually able to achieve it a lot more quickly and effectively yeah I think that's that's something I've I've learned over time although I'm a creative thinker I've realized that you can actually apply that to the way that you live your life as well I think it's picking up on that house on the beach thing I think it's really interesting because what we tend to do is we uh, the things that we aspire to we 
well, I'm certainly a very positive thinking person. I don't know. There are people who are more analytical than I am when it comes to decisions like that. But so often people are like, I want to live by the beach and it's going to be amazing and it's kind of sugar coated and don't test it first or they don't do anything like that. And it's like, what are the aspects of living by the, on the beach that are really important to you? And could you achieve that in a different way? So maybe it's renting, but maybe it's holidaying by the beach, you know, more frequently or whatever it might be. Because actually 80% of the things that you've got going on right now are going to move with you to the beach yeah. in like in all likelihood unless you make yeah. some other changes whatever that beach is it's you know it's a metaphor for whatever um but in reality it's like i want to move to the beach probably because i want to move away from x y and z so if i want to move away from x y and z i can move away from x y and z now rather than moving towards an aspirational utopia move away from the things that you know are a problem and identify them and move away from that so i suppose a one way of achieving happiness is to identify the things that don't make you happy and eradicate them from your life somehow. Do you know what? I totally yeah. agree with that. Even to a point of things that make you feel negative or you don't feel positive towards, whether that's stuff on social media, whether that's um, news, whether that's even a person or a particular conversation you've had. I don't think there's anything wrong in saying, you know, I'm just going to kind of like control how much influence that has within my life. Because one of the things I've realized through my peers as well is so many of my peers, um, including myself as well, have like pinned their happiness on, on something or an achievement. I'm going to find true happiness when I find a partner. And it's like, oh, no, like my whole phrase is you can't live off live alone. But that's just a great example of like y- you have to take ownership of your own happiness Mm -hmm. you can't expect that to come by pinning that on a situation whether that's living by the beach or getting a husband or you know moving to sydney australia or whatever it might be it's got to be something that you work on yourself as well you can't just rely on that and i think that's where sort of you know my definition that it's an inside job because you know there's been times of my life where um on paper everything's fantastic but I'm not happy and it's because you know it's not meshing with my values or there's genuinely sad things happening in my life (laughs) that that put a tint on everything else that's happening um and I think you know there is an issue I think generally within humankind that we assume that if everybody has a checklist therefore you should be happy you know I've known people that have had that have been happier in really awful circumstances and haven't been happy in better circumstances because of things, other things that are going on in their life. Um, and like you say, you know, we're, we're all, we're all primed that when you get the job, when you get the partner, when you have this, when you have that. And, and, and sometimes that, I think as you alluded to Ben, you know, the, the, you know, the apprehensions and the excitement of going on holiday is, is, is the thing that keeps us going. And, and there's a lot of work, from a science perspective, that challenge is motivational and motivation yeah. and achievement makes us happy. And, you know, you see this a lot with, with people that, because, you know, money is supposed to make you happy because you, you have all of your options available and you can buy what you want and go what you want, but people give it away because they haven't got a challenge and they haven't got something to aspire to. So I think in a weird way, happiness is a combination of being totally, totally accepting and in the moment and and really grateful for what you have with still having an element of wanting to achieve other things and that achievement doesn't have to be stuff 
that achievement could be reading a book or, you know, I know Ben sort of, you know, it's your Iron Man type running stuff, you know, if only. If only. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, you know that, that type of that physicality. And yeah, and I think that's something that in the last few years is something that I've realized, you know, since I stepped away from um, employment and became my own boss, I lost that person telling me I was good at my job. I, I lost that person giving me pay increases. I lost that person saying, oh, we spoke to so-and-so and they, you know, they, they think you're doing really good. So you have to find a way to, to motivate yourself and to pull that recognition and reward in to make you happy. Mm-hmm. But, but when you step away from that mainstream t- tick list, you realize that, that it almost becomes an addiction where you're feeding on other people's expectations of yourself. And it can be quite turbulent when you go through that, that transition to finding your happiness through other people's interactions to finding it yourself. And I think is at the moment, the moment that happens, it gives you a real sense of peace and calm, but it's a process. I think the reason why I'm really interested in happiness as well and why it is a pillar in nurture is that since having children as well all you ever want is for your children to be happy and I'm very open to what that looks like because everybody's different but I think until you can appreciate it yourself as to what makes you happy you can't you can't almost guide them to Mm. explore what makes them happy and I think that's what I find really interesting about this happiness aspect and with nurture we obviously do play and giving back Mm. and I think that play element is just so important isn't it about exploring or playing and just being like not having an expectation like playing is the art of enjoying something and being creative and you know losing yourself in something and that's just really integral and I think as we grow older and I know there's lots of things out there which I'm sure we can point people to about play and it's so important even as an adult to be able to still play and I think as a society we have lost that aspect of being able to play it's not something that we put value to and I think it's really important that we we do more of that as well I just picking up on the point around the, the kids there it just kind of struck a chord with me because obviously you want your kids to be happy all the time but you've also got this role of of, of developing them as as balanced human beings so it's a great analogy of the pain that you've got to go through to be mm-hmm. happy and kind and sharing and giving and uh, respectful um so kids can't always be happy in the same way that we all can't always be happy and i think that's a great point to pick up on as well is that nobody's going to be 100% happy 100% of the time so it's accepting that I can I can have variations of how happy I am predominantly I'm happy predominantly my life is good and it's going in the direction I've chosen that I wanted to go in with the people that I wanted to go in that direction with but it's a great analogy with the kids it's not always going to be happy and it's more extreme with children while they're learning Um, but also the interesting things are when we're developing kids and we're talking to them about things often things um that make them unhappy are things that take them away from things that are self-serving so Mm -hmm. it's like you need to stop doing that because of other people you need to stop making that noise you need to stop watching that telly you need to need to eat less of this it's because actually people are trying to help you to be part of society and our society rather than just selfish and uh interesting when you go back to that materialistic approach 
I often find people who are who are motivated by materialistic things can be more of that selfish scale. Actually, I don't mind who I interact with, where I interact with them, as long as I'm all right and I'm seen to be all right, I'm happy. Um, so, and that's horses for courses. If that's what makes people happy, that's what makes people happy. So, I suppose in some ways, what I'm saying is what we're what we're saying might not strike a chord with everybody and that's cool but if you're looking for a balanced life then that's the route that we're going down with nurture and that's what we're trying to inspire people to to enjoy i think it's interesting what you say about sort of kids i always remember from everyone's probably heard of it but always remember from probably from my a levels actually this experiment around self-gratification and delaying self-gratification so they get a load of kids in a room and they put one marshmallow in front of them and say you can eat this now or you can wait I don't know five minutes and you get two and obviously there's certain kids that ate it straight away and there's other kids that waited till the second one and actually the study over time the longitudinal study of like the measures of success and mental wellness and things like that and actually this element of, of self-control has got an awful lot of link to life success and, and happiness and I think that's what's quite interesting you sort of bend your reference to trying to modulate our behavior to to take into consider consideration of the people but also the ability to be able to regulate your own emotions and i think sometimes what doesn't help us as an adult is being told we have to regulate our emotions with absolutely no context and no explanation no understanding and that's something i'm really conscious with especially with lily whose abilities are maybe different to kids of of, of her own age is sort of trying to to name those emotions and name the, the fallout from those emotions as well. And one of the things that I've heard recently, and I'm being more aware of being a parent myself, is this idea of be a good girl, mm. be a good boy. And it's like, well, what does that mean? And actually, if you live your life as a good girl or a good boy, that's actually not serving you because that has so many different definitions and meanings and I think that's something that really strikes a chord with me as well it's like wanting to be that good person or that good girl when actually you can never you can never measure what good is Mm -hmm. and you can always serve other people and then forget about yourself and I think I've become more aware of with my two because that's the last thing I want to do is kind of like direct them into this world of being good and actually not understanding, you know, what makes them happy really. Yeah. I think that, I think that's really important that there is this element of it's okay to be selfish. Yeah. That, you know, selfishness is not greed. Selfishness is putting yourself very high up on you know your your measure of importance and you know from the perspective as of being an adult you know it's not necessarily just about being a parent if you're not looking after yourself if you're not looking after your own well-being if you're not if you're not carving out your own sense of identity you can then not you don't have the emotional energy and the resilience to show up for other people when they need it you know that you could have all the time in the world to help other people but if you're, you're flat out and exhausted and, and wrung out and strung out and irritable and all those types of things but you're right I, you know I really struggle sometimes with the language because I do oh well done good girl and you're like no 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 you know thank you that's kind or you know that you know thanks for thanks for sharing or you know you, you paid really good attention to that because again we're sort of globalized under this goodness mm. and you know this probably could be a whole other podcast on its yeah, own no, but, it's true. Um, yeah. you know what what that this whole idea of being compliant 
I remember, yeah. I remember really early doors with Lily. I think she, she'd been in, she'd been in school. She was in reception. She'd probably been in there for like three months and I got called into school because she was fighting and I'm doing, yeah. invert, I'm doing inverted summons <laughs> yeah. with the fighting. And actually what had happened is um, the, they'd been play, play fighting. So they basically literally kick each other in the shins as you do. And it all got a little bit out of hand. And they all started shoving and pushing. And the teacher asked them all to apologise to each other. And Lily refused to apologise. She said, I'm not apologising because I didn't do anything wrong. Because everybody was doing it. Yeah, they exactly. They called her into the classroom and they said, you need yeah. to apologise. And she got upset. Um, and then I got called in. And like I did say to her, you know, you possibly hurt someone and people apologise to you. So therefore you need to accept that apology and do the same. She said, but I didn't do anything wrong. And the one thing I did say to the teachers is that, whilst I don't disagree with what you're saying, she feels very strongly in the context of what was happening where they were playing. There's mm. nothing to apologize for. Yeah. It was a group of people getting out of hand and I'm not going to encourage her to apologize when she doesn't feel like she's done anything wrong. And actually she can quite eloquently explain mm. why, because again, there are implications of that as you get older, you know, or sorry, you know, Oh, sorry. Sorry. What have you done? I, I don't, I'm just apologizing for existing. And you yeah. see that a lot with certain sort of characters that they just apologize for everything. And they, you know, their, their value is, is against other people's judgments of them. And I think that's, it's really important, you know, like, with yeah. the whole, you know, forcing people to, to hug when they don't want to. And, you know, all the, the, there's so much there, there's so many layers to that. Um, because again, quite often, somebody's as an adult your happiness is connected to how good of a parent people think you are because of how your children behave and there's all there's so much wrapped up and I think having having the confidence to take a step back and unapologetically highlighting how you do things and being quite comfortable with that again as long as you're not being rude to people that yeah, can bring a certain level of happiness so I get very soapboxy about that you shouldn't have started me off Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really good to hear as well in terms of these different stages because for me I've got Robin and Rose but they're two and four so I'm yet to experience this whole like school life do you know what I mean I'm totally in the preschool nursery zone at the moment so I think these are all challenges that we face at different chapters whether it's us personally or our children isn't it where I think if you've got a set of values that you stand by that makes it a lot easier Nurture Community CIC engage with the community in person and online through events to reduce isolation and increase community spirit. Bi-weekly podcast Nurture Natter is hosted by the Nurture Community CIC. We're a collective of souls who are on a mission to help families get that wonderful balance of health, wealth and happiness, bringing communities together to inspire and support each other. Carry on the conversation with us online within our Facebook group Nurture Natter or use the hashtag NNPodcast on Instagram. And Twitter, you can find us at Nurture Ideas.